0: We are almost done with the 2023 Formula One season. Only two more races to go, and the next one is a big one. We're talking all things Formula One here on Track This, and of course, I have our panel of experts that are going to give you the lowdown on what you can expect from Formula One this weekend. As usual, I have Avon Middleton, who is a familiar voice to the Formula One or Track This podcast. He's also the publisher and director of Top Gear SA, and he's a sport analyst and then i've got matthew Kanai, who's a professional automotive and lifestyle content creator he's also on the line with us today as we talk all things formula one welcome Jens. hello hello it is good to have you matt good to have you avon
1: good to be back
0: all right, so now I know everyone is super excited. I'm so excited I have lost my voice uh, going into Las Vegas this weekend. But before we get there, let's talk Brazil Grand Prix. It was quite an interesting one. Obviously, I think, Avon, let's start with you. The fact that Charles Leclerc didn't even make it through the formation lap is a disaster for Ferrari.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think you had some high hopes for Ferrari in uh, Brazil. I did. Um, yeah, but it was not to be, and I think it was really a tale of many slightly strange things that happened, um, apart from the crash as well. But you know, yeah, Charles Charles crashed on his warm-up lap. I mean, I think we haven't seen that in a really long time, or oh, sorry, didn't didn't you know crashed out, let's say. Um, yeah, that was really sad for him, and I I know there's a whole bunch of stuff about how unlucky he is as a driver, and I certainly, in that instance, yeah, you know, I mean we can only just we can only just sort of sympathise with him. It was really unfortunate. I think Ferrari called it a hydraulic failure. Yeah, um, but then you know also the Mercedes were terrible, where I think a lot of us had great expectations for them. A lot. Um, the red flag was you know yet another. Interesting part of the race, yeah. I think it w- I think Brazil this year was let's just say not what we expected, uh, and, and in in many ways. But I think the big one, of course, was just how slow the the Mercedes were. And then I suppose we have to also look at um, Checo finding some form. You know, given given his current run of form, I think it, it was good. It was a good weekend for Red Bull. Um, great win for Max, win number seventeen. I didn't. I can't believe we've actually saying that 17th within <laughs> one it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So yeah, good weekend for them. And um, yeah, you know, I think towards the end, it was great racing as well. You know, Alonso, I have to say for me, driver of the day, he fended off Chico brilliantly. How's that for a photo finish? But I, I think kudos to him. He really drove. A, he's such a smart racer. So, so good. And it was good to see Alonso on form again you could see his visual excitement on the podium i mean he just couldn't he just couldn't restrain himself incredibly incredibly happy with that podium so big big kudos to him and then i think for me last point is just lando like so sad that lando hasn't got a win you know <laughs> um everyone keeps talking about lewis hamilton's win and when is lewis hamilton, hamilton going to get another win but i think the really sad thing is Lando fought hard, but I think the Red Bull just had the bit between the teeth and um, there's nothing he could do. But I really I was hoping that he would pull some sort of a miracle. But, yeah, all in all, that's kind of a quick quick take on, on the race from my side.
0: Matthew, I think Avon really pointed it out quite nicely there was the surprise performance from Lando Norris because the fact that he was even, I want to say, play-play battling with Max uh, for a couple of laps. Uh, He really had a great performance in Brazil.
2: They really did. I think what people also need to realize, besides all the other drama, McLaren have been one of the most consistent rivals for Red Bull since the start of the mid-season. And the upgrades that they've brought for their cars have been fantastic and a little bit embarrassing for Mercedes because they are using a Mercedes power plant. So it was really great. Lando did his absolute best, but, you know, the RB19, straight line speed, the aero, that's kind of where they lost it and, and you know they were kind of just touch and go and Lando was doing as much as he can and I think everyone capitalized from all the the, the chaos that happened in the first sort of 15 minutes of the race but overall one of the best driver pairings to fight against the Red Bulls definitely has to be the McLarens and one of the most strongest on form cars has to be the McLarens so it means that next year that's going to be very, very, very critical. If they've made that much leap in performance, it means that 2024 is going to be really exciting, especially for a team like McLaren. But also, you kind of have to wonder, are oh, Mercedes is going to get the formula right? Because that car is just not working.
0: Let's talk a little bit about M- McLaren, no, Mercedes and the performance, because... Matthew, I know you love your T-boy, and I know you love giving him so much grief, but a, reti- a retirement came from him in Brazil with something that, you know, we didn't expect to come from Mercedes.
2: Yeah, I look, Mercedes is a really, it's a big question mark right now. I don't even know what's going on with the team. Um, they've got issues, not only with their power unit and the aero, but at the same time, they've got issues where, you know, they're baffled with how they sort of get things wrong. You know, you've got... Hamilton, who's fighting with George, and George constantly publicly on the radio going, what are we doing? Are we racing? Are we friends? Are we this? Are we that? So team dynamics and management is definitely at play, and that needs to be sorted out. But again, to win as a team, you need to be a team. But that on top of just poor performance from the cars, it's insult to injury. And I think everybody can see it. Um, they really haven't got that car right. The formula just is completely wrong. And I think it's safe to say we can scrap that car and focus on next year because their chances of getting on the podium again is really down to luck.
0: And to be honest, uh, Avon, Lewis needs that luck. He needs to outscore Perez by seven points. Otherwise, the Mexican will take second place in the championship.
1: Yeah, I think Brazil's performance for Mercedes Lewis in particular really lost uh, that championship for him or that second place. I, I I think if I was a betting man, I think Checo will retain his... Second place, and Lewis will remain third. You know, and I I think just to add to it, I think the the problem with the Mercedes package at the moment is just so inconsistent. I think the I think the car is there's speed in it, but I think what the engineers are struggling to do is just find the consistency of speed track to track. I mean, second place in Mexico. um, I mean, we can say what we want, but Lewis had a he had a great pace in Qatar. Had he not crashed out, I mean, we saw how good he was in that sprint race. So. I think there's, there's definitely speed in the car. The, the, the problem is just being able to set it up rate every race weekend to a point that it performs. And that's that's really difficult for engineers. That's really difficult for drivers because you just don't know what you're driving every weekend. And in contrast to, say, a Max and a Lando, you know, there's consistency. That's why they're doing so well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I believe the, the plan is a, you know, working on a totally new package as opposed to trying to sort of massage Mm. something up. So I think for the 2024 grid, it's going to be difficult for them because they're essentially going to be starting from scratch where other teams such as Aston Martin, such as um, Red Bull, such as McLaren, they're going to to improve on a, a formula that's working. So yeah, difficult for them, difficult for them. They're a big team. There's a lot of money and there's a lot of expectation. And so, yeah, we've just got to see what happens in these last two races. But, I, I you know, the thing with Formula One as well is you can't just be like, you know what, we're riding this season off and we're going to focus on 2024. There's too
0: much money yeah. involved no, in it.
1: There's mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so much money. And so, you know, that they will be trying to capitalize on these next uh, um, two races and hope for the best. But, yeah, big Big question mark in terms of what they're going to do. So, yeah, a bit worrying.
0: Another another team that consistency for me, look, we can't take away the fact that they've had a great performance in Brazil. But the consistency has gone completely out the window, Avon. And that's Aston Martin. Because they started the the, the season off fantastically. And then somewhere in the middle, they lost it. And then now they've come back in Brazil again. I mean, so much to the point that Lance Stroll was fourth in the race.
1: Yeah, and I think we must give kudos to Lance because he's shame. He takes, he takes a knock quite often. Um, but I think the, the, the big learning here for me is having a driver like Fernando Alonso in your cockpit. Because as far as I understand it, basically what happened with Aston is they started with a good package. And then they brought a fairly big upgrade. And I think it was around mid-season. But the upgrade didn't work. And in fact, instead of getting better, the car got worse. And it was Fernando who said, guys, take all this off my car and give me the car that I was driving in the first quarter of the year. And that's the car that he's driving now. And, you know, they've managed to find this performance. And they did the same thing, obviously, for Lance Stroll's car. And he's turning in a better performance as well. I mean, I was watching that Brazil race and going, wait, where were these people? you know, mm-hmm. a couple of races ago, because this is the Alonso we, we like to see. Um, both Alonso and Stroll had a really good weekend, both in qualifying um, and in the races. And that's kind of where they started the year, as you said. So I think th- the learning is just about, <laughs> you know, listening to your drivers, <laughs> building cars around those drivers. Um, and maybe, I mean, my opinion is maybe they, they should have done this slightly earlier, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, these are the challenges of engineers, you think something's going to work, but in the real world, you bring it to a circuit, and it just doesn't. So, but that's why I say I think it's a good position for them to be in for next year, because they can improve the package, as opposed mm-hmm. to, as you got this totally wrong, and, uh, you know, you, you've got to start
0: again. Matthew, at the end of the day, it's also all about balance. Like, you you need to design the car around the drivers like Red Bull has done really well with Max. But in the same time, don't listen to the drivers as much as you would if you were a Ferrari, um, you know, strategist, because that just hasn't been working for them either. So it's about the balance between the two.
2: Yeah, it definitely has. I think, um, you know, just touching on what Avon said, that Aston Martin did very well, because one, it did have the Mercedes power plant, so it did have the horsepower, but two, beginning of the year, there was quite of a shock horror, because remember, um, Daddy Stroll went and poached a lot of Red Bull staff to come and work for him, so when you have that knowledge, and that sort of expertise to work on your car, of course it started off strong, and it was the whole pink Mercedes thing again, except it was the green Red Bull, and the car did well, because again, You can design a car, and and what Red Bull do is they design a car from the beginning of the year, and it was identical to the Aston Martins, and everyone's like, okay, well, that's why the car did so well, but as the season goes along, progression is made. They find that they need to make more front wing changes, they need to make more changes for heat exchange, for the rear wing, for the under tray, for the skid plate to move forward and backwards, so... Red Bull designed a car that can be evolved and developed throughout the year, whereas Aston Martin basically copied the package. They had the knowledge, but they didn't evolve with the car. And that's where Red Bull get it right. Red Bull has been a faultless team. And you can't say it's always down to Max and that car and that car. If you look at their record this year another thing that people also overlook is that they've had very little errors in their pit stops and their strategy. Besides Checo having one or two bad races and that making it look overall bad, if you look at the consistency, they have a consistent car where, you know, practice one, they check it out and they're like, okay, well, this is not working and they revert back to an old change. So you have to adapt and evolve with your car if you want to be in the front and you can't make drastic changes because that's what happened. You had an Aston that was on podium and the next thing you know, major change and it doesn't suit a driver and then they're fighting in the, you know, the P eights and P10s. So it's as much as you can take some of the best in the business, it doesn't necessarily mean you'll end up on the podium with that car.
0: And at the end of the day, everything that we're talking about now, Matthew, is is learnings and teachings that we need to take into 2024. At this moment in time, there's nothing that can be done in the next two races. I mean, it's two races till the end of the
2: season. Yeah, there's not much that can be done. Some of the teams are fighting for constructors points. um, And it's tens of millions of dollars um, on the line from sponsors, from any sort of thing. In any form of motorsport, you win a championship point, you get tons of money your sponsors are keen to stay on next year so for the last two races besides the top two teams um the other constructors they're scrapping for points because you know it's it's also besides it being silly season people can also just make silly moves and mistakes. We saw that a lot of teams benefited um, from George Russell's DNF, the five DNFs that we saw in Brazil. A lot of teams capitalized because it means they moved up the food chain and they collected very valuable, precious points, which means that, you know, even guys like Logan Sargent ends up with, with points. And, and for him, you know, one point is a lot of money and that team means, <laughs> hey, we have money to develop the car. So even yeah. though there's there's two more races, I think for the midfield, it's all or nothing. They can take the risk because they know some of the teams might be caught sleeping and some of the other smaller teams might actually throw everything that they have as a last bit of resource just to get one or two more points ahead on the table so that they've got a good start for 2024.
0: All right, Avon, let's talk Las Vegas. This is a big race that everybody has been looking forward to um, Las Vegas has literally been shut down over the last three months to try and build and construct everything that needs to go in place for this street track we've obviously never seen it before it's the first time that this race has been added to the calendar talk to me about it because I know you absolutely
2: hate the track
1: uh, <laughs> I didn't think you'd remember that um...
2: <laughs> strong words Ava <Emma.
1: laughs> no look um <sighs> I think let's just look, you know, if we look at it from a commercial point of view, uh, you know, if one is still really trying to conquer America, literally, and it's really where the money is. And Las Vegas, in terms of optics, is amazing. You know, it's it's in the desert. It is glitz and glamour and music and lights. And it's wonderful. And I I totally get why Liberty Media has pushed to, to do this. I totally get why they've spent $500 million to get it. Uh, to a place where they you know these guys can go and race there and so yeah from a commercial point of view totally get it from a formula one sort of die hard fan point of view i think you know i'm I'm going to give them the chance and see how it pans out i'm looking forward to martin brundle's really awkward grid interviews with <laughs> um <laughs> people that he doesn't know, but he's trying. I really am looking forward to that. That's become like one of the highlights of my weekend. Um, and I think that's going to be really awkward. Also awkward that it's going to be incredibly cold. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to what that does in terms of setting up of cars, in terms of tires. You know, it might... As much as I really am a little bit concerned about it, and it's not, it's not my cup of tea in terms of what Formula 1 is, I think maybe, maybe, the cold is going to actually help out with the racing the track is 17 turns i think 6.2 k's lots of straights. So i think we'll see some really high speeds um but yeah I, I you know none of the drivers are thinking it's going to be a, a great race in terms of overtaking but you know what this is my stance let's give it a chance let's not knock it until it's been tried and let's talk next week and and, and see how it pans out but you know, lots of investment, lots of money. It's a spectacle. We can't deny that. And I suppose that's what Formula One is. And if you're going to attract Americans and you're going to attract money, then this is how you do it. So I think kudos to F1, kudos to the city of Vegas. And, um, yeah, let's see how it pans out. I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how it, how it goes, particularly afterwards, whether it's going to be something that we all look forward to or something that we just go, oh, my word, not again.
0: To be honest, I also appreciate the fanfare that they've created around it. Besides the fact that a lot of, I've seen a lot of the, um, you know, the bigger hotel chains have been complaining a little bit about the fact that the Strip has been, you know, more limited over the last three months to do the setup for it. Uh, You know, Liberty Media has also put some really cool things into it. And Avon, I know you love these sorts of things, but you can actually get married on the track or at the track. There's a chapel, <laughs> and you can go and get married.
1: Yeah, that really makes me happy. <laughs> <I'm> not <laughs> um, no. Look, I, honestly, I think it's great that Ve- you know what's cool about Vegas is they've Vegas-ed it. You know what I mean? They, they've got mm. they've got card symbols on the on the on the curbs, and I think that's cool. I mean, from a marketing point of view. If you're going to do a Vegas street race, then you've got to do it properly. And I think they've certainly done it properly. You know, things like getting married in Vegas, that's a thing. Pe- thousands and hundreds of thousands of people flock to Vegas to do that every year. So how do you attract a Formula One fan to do it? Well, there you, there you go. Um, you know, it's, it's it's really a state of the art. It really is spectacular. I, I have no, I really can't knock them for doing it. And they really have put a lot of money into it. I think just from a fan point of view, again, this race is the most expensive Formula One ticket on the calendar yeah. by some margin. I think it's something like four times more expensive than the average price of a European race. And so i how does that make us feel? You know, we, we've got to go. Does that mean I can go to that race? Probably not. And maybe your normal Formula One fan can't actually afford to go to the race, but Americans can. So I've been trying to monitor ticket sales. It's not sold out yet. So. You know, there's still space, but it is expensive. And and I suppose that's just a metaphor for what the race is. It's it's really trying to attract the big dollars. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if they do.
0: All right, Matthew, what is your opinion of us going into Las Vegas? Obviously, Glitz, Glamour, it's going to be an amazing race. But like Avon said, it's a little bit complicated when you come to the track because it might not be the most friendly track for overtaking.
2: Yeah, look, Vegas is Vegas. They They're definitely playing on the glitz and glamour of it. Um, I know everyone is looking at sales, but from the social media posts I've been seeing, ticket sales have literally haven't, you know, they haven't been as much as we hoped it to be. There hasn't yeah. been a strong uptake on it. There's been pushback from the people who stay there. They're literally, if you if you go and take a squiz on, on TikTok, you'll be able to see that um, the the walkways and the sort of uh, bridges are being blocked. so fans can't see it. Um, so ticket sales are not good um, which is even more reason to say hey you know what you should have come to South Africa but story for another day Mm -hmm. but yeah (laughs) Vegas is a weird one I think it's um, this is a marketing race um, and I fully stand by it the drivers also sort of semi-agree with it Um, besides the glitz and glamour um, it's always a head-scratcher for teams and engineers because you know when you go to a track, you rely on past data, and with Vegas being a street circuit, it makes it hard um to learn the track and, and and hard for the drivers too because if they make a mistake, the mistake is costly, and it's for them in the wall so um you know it's a learning curve for everyone and it's new and it's nice and um it's also the coldest race like like we were saying earlier, it's the coldest race of the year so it's very unpredictable. We had Melbourne, which was around sixteen to twenty degrees, um, and that was one of the coldest races. But this is going into the single digits. Um, and Andrew Shovlin, um, he did a little uh, pre-race interview from Mercedes, the track engineer, and he said, you know, if if a track temperature's down to single figures. Um that's winter testing, so it 's difficult to get the tires to kind of warm up to temperature and switch on, and that could also expose a massive you know flaw for Red Bull because for Red Bull, they rely on heat um and they need temperature in the tire to drive the way Max has his car set up so it, it, it there 's a lot of question marks i don't know um it 's all a bit up in the air to be honest um it 's silly season, silly race anything can happen. So I really can't put my finger on what's about to happen because no one knows the track. They've only done simulator. Um, they're going to do that thing, which I really don't like where they bring out the drivers, like an NFL team with the smoke and the cheerleaders. I'm not (laughs) looking forward to that. Um, and there's going to be awkward driver interviews, which you always cringe at. And those people that you're like, Oh, I listened to him. He's on my Apple music. And then next thing you know, you're like, well, you suck because you're terrible to interview. So Vegas is just, its for me, it's a big question mark. I, I really don't know what to expect. And I think it might be, I'm actually going to put my finger on it. And I'm going to say it's going to be utter chaos. Because the other thing we didn't mention yes. is that this has the longest F1 straight on the calendar. It's almost two k's yes. long, which means that a car will have low downforce settings in the cold. It's going to reach a max speed of 350 plus. And it's and it's a track where it's at night and the drivers don't have much data about it. So, I think it's going to be chaos, and only the late breakers and the brave are going to survive this one.
0: And to be honest, we've seen the tires, and we know from history that cold tires are. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if on formation lap we see somebody else again in a wall.
2: Yeah, it's 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 chaos. I mean, you have that also. It's the second last race of the year, so it's very tricky. So. The cars are tired, the engineers are tired, the parts are tired. And by me saying that, it's kind of like when you're on a race calendar, you want to go to a track where you have consistent data for so you can account for anything because the power units, some guys are just running the power units all to their very end. Now they don't have actual data to know if some of the power units or they're going to have hydraulic failures Mm. or the tires are going to get up to temperature. So that's why I feel like you know, strategy will definitely come into play. Um, you're going to look at very clever undercuts. You're going to look at people trying to dummy a pit stop. I think it's going to come down to tyre wear degradation. And um, it'll definitely be a case of very clever strategy. And we might see an upset. Um, and even if we do get an upset, it doesn't matter. Because the top teams know where they're placed on the hierarchy for, for championship wins. But yeah, it's it's going to be chaotic. But I think, you know, for the fans, the fans want to see crashes and drama and people making mistakes. So... I think we're we're in for a very entertaining weekend.
0: So I think, with that said, Matthew and all the build up to it, I want to hear what your predictions are going to be because <laughs> I think it's going to be rather interesting.
2: Yeah, look, if if you don't, know Max, Max is just he he wants to go for it all. Um, He also comes into the weekend looking to equal Vettel's 53 career wins, which will put him um, on the third all-time Grand Prix winner rankings with Michael Schumacher at 91 and Lewis with 103 um, only having, uh, you know, more. So he then, he then gets into top three. So I think for him, Uh, It's a no-brainer. He'll be P1 for me, and he'll want to shatter that record. Um, But interestingly enough, I think after that, it gets quite interesting. I think Lando is going to definitely gun for it. McLaren are going to throw everything at that car. So betting person, I'm going to put Lando as P2, um, and then I'll put Sergio P3. But P4, I'm actually going to throw in a Mercedes. I don't have any confidence in the two Ferraris. Um, Their cars are just not reliable. Um, and with them coming to an unknown circuit where their cars are really finicky as it is and they can't get things right and Ferrari's success is down to their pit stop strategy and just you know those sort of tiny housekeeping they're going into an unknown track I don't place the Ferraris there so I definitely put Lewis as a strong contender for P4 P3 and the same with George Russell so I think it'll definitely be the Red Bull's up top, and then underneath that, I think we might see a very good fight between the McLarens and definitely the Mercedes.
0: All right, interesting. Avon, let's hear yours.
1: Sure. So I think um, for me, I'm uh, there's nothing you can fault for with Max Verstappen. And so I think he's going to extend his lead. I think he will win it by some margin. And then I think his teammate Sergio is going to come back fighting. So I think it's going to be a Red Bull 1-2. And third on the podium is going to be Lando Norris. So Max, Sergio, Lando, those are my predictions, as boring as heck.
0: So does that mean that you are very confident that Perez is going to take the second place in the championship?
1: I am pretty confident, as I said in the beginning. If I'm a betting man, I think I think Perez is going to do it. Um, he doesn't need to, you know, he just needs to come third, really, and he's fine. But I think he's going to do a one-two. I think he's going to feel better about his life uh, after Brazil. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I do think the car will suit the track layout, actually, as well. So as long as he doesn't bin it, I think um, I think he's going to get that second place quite comfortably.
0: Okay, quite interesting. You know what, to be honest, I think I'm kind of leaning towards the same direction as Matthew. I think Lando's going to try and, and, and push as much as physically possible. I, I'm a little bit worried about those Mercedes. I think Perez might also have a little bit of a wobble. Um, so that Mercedes between Mercedes and Perez in that third and fourth place, you know, I think it's it's, it's a very realistic prediction to look at if you're looking at doing your super brews uh, for this weekend or your Formula One, um, you know, uh, fantasy leagues, and those are definitely options. But with that said, two more races left of the season. I think it's gonna be very exciting going into Vegas. There's gonna be lots of fanfare around it, lots of excitement, and as Matthew says, lots of chaos. So it's gonna be a very interesting weekend. Matthew, Avon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for giving me all your Formula One insights. Uh, And I look forward to chatting to you before the final as we go into Abu Dhabi at the end of the year. Thanks so much, Kriya. Yeah, enjoy it.
2: Have fun. Enjoy the drama. We like entertainment. We're going into December. This is pretty much the last bit of sports that we can watch before it all goes quiet and boring. So I'd just say, you know what? If you've switched (laughs) off for the season, just tune in. Hear what you have to say for the podcast and just enjoy your race weekend.